again, everybody, and welcome to another big week of the Jerry Lawler Show. My name is Sean Reedy, and thank you so much for listening. Hopefully for the next hour or so here, we can take your mind off the uh, crazy circumstances that we're all living in right now and just have a little fun with the wild world of professional wrestling. Uh, it was WrestleMania weekend, and I am joined by someone who has announced and been on so many I can't even count, the King, Jerry Lawler. How are you? Well, Sean, I'm doing great, doing really good, and I, you know, that I think that may have been the first time that I just caught it, or maybe it was the first time that you did it, but that was just a little bit of a, a, a throwback to Lance Russell there at the beginning of this podcast, wasn't it? I did that intentionally because you and I had about a 20-minute conversation about Memphis TV before we started recording, and it felt appropriate to me. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yellow. Lance Russell always started the show with, yellow, everybody. We ribbed him about that for years, but he would never change. He's, he said he didn't even realize he was doing it. Really? Yeah. And you guys he, wanted him to change? No, we didn't want him to change. I mean, we just uh, said, Lance, why do you say yellow instead of hello? <laughs> and he'd go, what? What do you mean? What are you talking about? I said, you don't realize that you're saying yellow instead of hello? He said, no, I'm saying hello. Well, at the oh. end, he and Shane were selling a shirt that had a, a Y in front of it and just said yellow, everybody. Right. <laughs> so, anyways, um, we just had one of the most. Uh, we just had the absolute most unique WrestleMania weekend of all time. Uh, yeah, you started to say one of the most, but it was definitely the most unique WrestleMania ever. Yeah, I guess I would start just by asking your thoughts in general, and also um, your thoughts about just the promotion, the wrestlers, everybody trying to pull off a show like that in those circumstances. Well, you know, one of the things that made it so unique to me was because I wasn't involved in any way, shape, form, or fashion other than just like the fans out there. I watched every bit of it on on TV, um, and it was a it was a weird feeling for me personally because all I'm doing is sitting there thinking, "Damn, I, I can't I can't believe I'm not a, being a part of this. I hated it, you know." Uh, but we had talked about that before, and the fact that um, Everything about this this WrestleMania was so different, uh, uh, partly because it had to be, partly because they they were trying to be extra cautious and 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 all of that sort of stuff about you know about this uh, the coronavirus and all that sort of stuff. So you know my my deal was I would I went down a few weeks ago for uh, to Orlando to the Performance Center. We did a Raw, and it was me and Tom and Byron sitting there. You know, just like we're sitting at a regular announce desk, and um, there were there were a few you know there were a few people involved, not as many as you would have thought, uh, or not not nowhere even close to as many people, crew, wrestlers, and all of that as would ordinarily be involved with a live Monday Night Raw show. But um, you know, we we taped we taped the Raw. And then uh, I was ready to come back in the following week. We went down to our condo in Fort Myers, Lauren, Peyton, and myself after that uh, Monday. And I'm thinking that, you know, we're going to – I'll just be able to drive back up to the Performance Center the following Monday. And, of course, I got I got the call saying that, uh, you know, Vince was a little concerned because the, then the, the word was really real strong about uh, – you know, about at that time, of course, I think it's changed since then. They were saying, you know, that this coronavirus is is uh, mostly striking older, older individuals or it's tougher on older individuals, which, of course, now they're saying it's not that's not necessarily the case other than the fact that, you know, I mean, kids and everybody's seem to have uh, become, uh, you know, a victim to it since that time. But anyway, the, the word was sent down that uh I, w- I would need to come back uh, for the for a, f- a few weeks until that that travel ban and some of that stuff was uh, lifted. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't go back the following week, and then of course it was all of a sudden I got word that hey they're going to now uh, they're going to probably tape Raw rather than try to do it live. And so then I'm thinking, well, will I get a call back and come back for that? But uh, I guess everything, you know, and talking to Michael Cole at one time, it was it was just I'm amazed at how how it all got done 
because Michael said, man, things are not changing by the day. Things are changing by the minute. And because it was so new and everything was having to be so different, literally things, decisions were being made by the minute of how to do and what to do and all of this sort of stuff and how many people you could have at, at uh, one, you know, at one taping. And so, um, you know, the, the whole thing had to be done over several days and in several locations and, and all of that sort of stuff. And so, um, like I said, I, I, I just hated that I didn't get to be a part of it. And, and then, you know, it was, we, we I looked around and there were so many fans that, at, online saying, Oh gosh, this WWE should just cancel WrestleMania. You're going to postpone it or do something to where you you just can't have it. You just cannot do it. And of course, um, you know, don't ever try to tell Mr. McMahon that he can't <laughs> that he can't do something because he will prove you wrong every time. And sure enough, uh, I was I was amazed at how how great it was. I put out a tweet the next day after the after the first day of it, saying, you know, I'm looking around, I'm looking for all of those people that said WrestleMania should be can should have been canceled because all of a sudden online all of the response was how great it was especially the Undertaker, the Boneyard match and AJ Styles and, and every, every, you know, most of the internet was just raving about the show as I was too. I thought it was great. It couldn't have, you know, uh, under the circumstances, it couldn't have been any better. So, um, yeah, I, I was, I was just, I don't even, I was, I was really proud of the WWE. I was proud of everybody involved and that's what kind of got me because I felt like, you know, I didn't I didn't get to be really a, a part of that. But in that didn't take away from the fact that it turned out so great and that and that uh, that I was really proud of the company and all of the superstars and all of the crew and everybody behind the scenes to put together something like that. that that I really thought might be impossible to do, uh, but they did it. And it, it, I think it turned out great. Yeah, I was so happy that the show happened because. Um, you know, it's just been such a tough time and everybody's just inside bored and we're getting all this bad news and it's just a tough time for people's mental health in a lot of ways, I think. And then to have these two, uh, three hour shows that were really entertaining and, uh, you know, even though it obviously didn't feel like a normal WrestleMania, it did feel like kind of a big event. And, uh, the other thing is I just have so much admiration for every performer, wrestler, announcer, anybody involved with, uh, any of these performance center shows because it's it's just so weird your whole life you've been taught to try to get crowd responses and to react to the crowd responses and now you don't have that feedback and i just can't imagine how weird that is well you know i can i can tell you from the from doing the one broadcast the shows uh down at the performance center it is it's hard to explain. It is, I guess, weird is probably uh, the best way to put it. it. You know, with no fans, it just makes the match. Uh, I don't even know how to explain it. It's almost, it's almost impossible. It's because that's what when you're, you know, when you're in the ring and you're, you're, you're actually wrestling. That's what you're wrestling for. You're wrestling for the fans, and you're wrestling for that response. And, and, and I mean, you know, it goes back to the, the, and, and the fans are there. I mean, that's, it's almost like that's their job, you know, <laughs> uh, that, that's their job. And they realize that they're, they're as much a part of that match as the, as the wrestlers are with their response. I mean, even it goes back to whether sometimes, you know, that you, you know, what you're doing right or you know what you're doing wrong. And, you know, I can always remember, you know, one of the worst things that you could ever responses that you could ever get is all of a sudden a boring chant yes, while you're yes. in the ring from the fans, you know, but uh, yeah, yeah, every, everything you do is to try to get that response, that immediate response from the fans. And when there are no fans there, um, you know, I don't, I don't know how the guys do it. And, and it's, it's a lot, it's, it's similar when you're doing the commentary. That is that is so different, too, because I think in my mind, at least when you're doing the commentary, you're trying to you're trying to not only comment on what you're seeing, what's happening in the match, but you're also trying to trying to make up for the lack of background noise. You know, it's like you 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 
you just try your best not to not to let there be any dead air is where there's any silence. But um, at least in my mind, I, I just think that I just think that the fans, you know, when they're watching this, they want to hear something, you know. Uh, and if, if there are no fans there to make some noise, I think it's to me it's kind of left up to the commentators to uh, to keep talking and and for the commentators to respond like the fans ordinarily would to what's going on in the match. So, uh, but yeah, it's totally different. I think I've said before when I, I do remember when, when Terry Funk and I had the empty arena match at the mid South Coliseum years and years ago, which probably was the first time it may have been the first time that was ever done. And, uh, and certainly the first time that I had ever been involved in something like that. And it was, I, I just remember thinking while, when we started, when we actually locked up and started wrestling and, went out onto the floor and start, start throwing each other into the empty chairs. I honestly, I just felt stupid <laughs> personally. I just said, I'm just thinking in my mind, I said, Oh my gosh, this is so stupid. But, uh, you know, it turned out to be later on when it was watched back, uh, it, it, it accomplished what we wanted it to accomplish. And, and the, and the fans, I don't think ever realized that, that that's what the wrestlers were thinking at the time, or that's what I was thinking at the time in that match, you know? So it's, it's a very, very different, very, very difficult. And that's one of the reasons, again, I, I said, I was so proud of everybody because everybody did, uh, all the matches were, were good. And that, uh, I want to ask you, what did, what did you think of the Boneyard match? I mean, that was like all of a sudden, that was like watching a movie. Yeah, I loved it. I, I really personally loved it. Um, I I was expecting, you know, like them to be on a, a soundstage or something and just, just have kind of a pro wrestling brawl. I was not expecting a full movie production. And right. I thought um, the way it made Undertaker, uh, you know, the way they made him into Clint Eastwood or Arnold Schwarzenegger, just like the most badass 80s action hero – uh, I personally loved that presentation, and you know, there's a lot of talk online about how maybe this can help certain guys uh, have longer careers. Um, maybe they just wrestle once a year and do something like this, where uh, some physical limitations can be hidden a little bit. Yeah, without a doubt. I, I'm sure you're talking about a lot of people are talking about. Oh boy, now you know, in this style, we could easily have. The Undertaker versus uh, uh, the match, you know, that they always wanted to have for forever. Uh, Sting. Yeah, Sting. <laughs> I don't know what, what I was thinking of. But anyway, yeah, th- can you imagine watching that with uh, in that cinematic style that, that the Boneyard match was done in? They could do and, – and, you know, it could be done uh, – I mean, that was a – perfect location for the boneyard match in a, in a cemetery. But I mean, the undertaker and sting, it could be done any, any kind of, any kind of, uh, uh, setting. And, and, you know, it, it could, it could be amazing. I think the, only thing I, the only thing I wasn't crazy about, of course, uh, well, no, I mean, it, it worked out fine. It, it, I don't think it would have worked to had commentary during that type of match. But I mean, you know, that, that's why I said this, this was like watching a movie. Yeah. It had a soundtrack. Yeah, exactly. Like an emotional soundtrack. I liked it. Um, another one, people wondering if maybe the rattlesnake could ever possibly get involved with one of these and, you know, not hurt the neck. Uh, time will tell. It'll be interesting. I think this is something everybody loves it right now. We don't want to do this every month. But I no. don't know. Maybe like Mania and SummerSlam or something. You can get like a little special thing. I think the live crowds, once we're back to those, would accept that. I do, too. Yeah, I, I really do. So, um, yeah, we'll go into those. The The big... Uh, you know, headline coming out of the weekend is a listener to, of our podcast that we've had on. Uh, so I guess I'm a little biased in his favor is Drew McIntyre getting the big win over Brock Lesnar and becoming the new WWE champion. And really, I think going forward, probably going to be the face of Monday Night Raw. Yeah, it looks like it. And uh, I was proud of Drew. That was, you know, that was. Um, I- you just can't help but have mixed emotions, especially when you're, you know, you're in the business and as close to some of these people as I am. Uh, great, great night and a great, great achievement for Drew. But once again, you know, it was sad in the fact that he didn't have those 90,000 screaming fans there that uh, that should have been going crazy when he won the championship. So, uh, 
but you know that's just that's just something else he's got, still got to look forward to. You know, he got he got over one hurdle of winning the title, and now uh, once once things can finally get back to normal, he'll see what it's like to defend the title in front of thousands and thousands of fans down the road. But uh, did you notice? Did you happen to notice that um, on the two nights, the big the big title changes were were pretty much similar in the fact that it was like. Uh, you know the each one of the each one of the superstars giving each other their their finishing holes over and over and over and somebody kicking out and then boom uh, then finally after three or four well just like in Drew's case you know Brock Lesnar gives him the F fives what how many times four five four maybe yeah something yeah. like that and Drew keeps kicking out and then of course boom three or four claymores and bang there's the win. And uh, you know, in the in the other match with Braun Strowman taking, what, yeah, what'd you think of all of a sudden? The, what'd you think of all of a sudden Braun Strowman getting inserted in there? Well, like you said, uh, Michael Cole said things are changing by the minute, and I'm guessing this is probably one of the things that he was referring to, as that was a very late change, but uh, first ever uh, Universal Title for Braun. So he also had a very big weekend along with Drew. His completely <laughs> coming out of nowhere, but uh, well-deserved. He's been great for several years. And wasn't that match very similar to the Drew McIntyre-Brock Lesnar match? It was. Lesnar and Goldberg both kind of wrestled that same style. Now, we, I think Goldberg, you know, they, they don't want him to go more than a few minutes. Lesnar, we've seen, can go like 20 minutes. But for some reason, they decided to keep it shorter. And uh, But it was decisive. You know, for all the ways that uh, Brock is so protected as the ultimate unbeatable uh, champion, he, he did lose one, two, three in the middle of the ring. And I'm with you that it does stink that Drew didn't get that celebration because he's been working his whole life for it. I hope he's got more WrestleMania main events ahead of him. I think he does. And uh, hopefully he will get something that makes up for this. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I agree 100%. Um, I was just about to say with with – the the one thing that was weird to me, I mean, I, I I'm just I'm I've been put into the position of being just like the fans out there. Uh, you know, I didn't have any clue on what was going on because I was not there. Uh, I didn't get to talk to anybody about what was going to be going on. So I watched the whole show. I watched everything just as a fan. And um, and then of course the same thing with Monday Night Raw, uh, which as we're taping this was last night. Um, and then, then I found out some stuff last, I guess, on, while watching Raw that I didn't realize had happened. Um, when I, suddenly I'm watching the main event of Raw, and the Big Show comes out, and then he and Drew McIntyre start having a championship match on Raw last night. And I heard Byron Saxon say, "I can't believe that uh, you know that that Drew McIntyre just won the championship." 20 minutes ago, and now he's already having to defend it against the Big Show. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, Byron, did you screw up that bad? Did you just – shouldn't you have said 20 hours ago or something? Because I thought that, you know, here it is the next day. I didn't realize that that, that, that match for Raw was taped right after WrestleMania, actually as a part of WrestleMania. Yeah, very unique thing where they had uh, Drew come back out about – they said 20 minutes after his match and did a little celebration and then Big Show came out. So um, I think part of that is uh, Big Show's Netflix show came out like yesterday or today, which I am absolutely going to watch uh, as part of the situation that we're in. Why not? But, uh, yeah, I thought that was a good match, too. Always enjoy uh, a good Big Show, Big Man match. Right. And, uh, yeah, they another, another you know, Drew looking really strong, winning again with the Claymore kick on Big Show. But uh, and then when you think about it, how how uh, how impressive was that on the part of Drew McIntyre to have had the you know the main event of WrestleMania uh, against Brock Lesnar and then come back 20 minutes later and have this uh, another title match against the Big Show? That 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 was impressive to me. Very impressive, very impressive. Um, clearly, big things in his future if they're having him beat both uh, you know Brock and Big Show in, in the span of a day. So, um, yeah, what was your favorite match um, besides the Undertaker thing? Uh, let's see. For me, I, I might have to go Owens and Rollins. Oh, yeah. that Oh, yes. That was a very, very good match. 
I was just thinking, I was thinking the, of the match that I was really looking forward to and I thought would be the, you know, the, the highlight of WrestleMania was Edge and Randy Orton. But then, it, I, just in my opinion, it went too long. What'd you think? Yeah, I thought 30 minutes was a little, that, that was a little too much for what they were going for. They were just brawling around the, the performance center. Like if it was, you know, maybe if it was at an arena or a stadium and there's more room and you can go in the crowd, but, um, that match was very divisive. Some people loved it and thought it was gritty and intense and, you know, great selling. Well, I, and some I, people, I, I, I like the match. Uh, but sometimes as we talk, so have said in the past, sometimes less is more. I mean, I think you almost gave them everything you could ever give them uh, between those two guys in that match in 30 minutes. Of course, I understand too. It was a last man standing match. So it, should, it wouldn't be something that these guys could just go out there and in a matter, it shouldn't have been something that in a matter of a, a few minutes, they had taken enough out of their opponent to where he couldn't get back to his feet. I can understand why that would, would take a lot longer. Uh, and, and I, I don't know, there was something about, um, the commentary during that match, you know, it was it was like Byron and Tom. I, I don't know. It's, it's it seemed like it got it just seemed like it it got a little quiet there some kind of way. It seemed like they were trying to uh, convey the brutality, I guess, of what yeah, was happening. The seriousness of it. You're right. You're yeah. Right. Which, uh, you know, I understood what they were going for. But there were people online who are like, why is this like a, a, a golf tournament? <laughs> so some people didn't didn't get what they were going for there. But uh, Edge, another one, at least he got that rumble moment because his uh, his WrestleMania comeback was probably a little bit different than what he pictured. Right. You're right about that. Exactly. Uh, so that was that was a big match. And now now we got to talk about the elephant in the room. Which one's that? Which one's that? <laughs> the Firefly Playhouse Funhouse match. <laughs> what about that? That was something uh <laughs> i don't even know where to start with everything that we saw in that match well, we I, saw... I, do, I do think the perfect uh the perfect ending was titus o'neill's expression on his face whoever because, came up with that was perfect yeah that was the that was the same expression i had on my face after seeing that and probably half the people around the world had that same expression i i still don't know what to think about it I, um yeah, you know, I I think sometimes I I know you'll find out the older you get, the more you resist change, you know, and 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 everybody realizes, you know, you got to change with the times, and and you and you got to be open to new ideas and everything. But that that was so different and so new that uh, it, man, it just it, it, as the longer it went on, though, it just I can't certainly can't say it wasn't entertaining because it was. Uh, because you never knew what to expect next. I mean, to see John Cena in, you know, in an NWO outfit, uh, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, I, I, and I still don't know. I don't even know how to talk about it. I don't know if I really loved it or if I really hated it or if, or if I, or if I, I just really don't know how I felt about it. I'm going to, I'm seriously, I just watched it that one time. I'm going to have to watch it again a little bit later on. And, uh, because, you know, as in anything, you know, the second time you watch or the third time you watch something, you'll see things that you didn't notice the first time. I love the part. I love the part that Mr. McMahon puppet and what <laughs> what he said about. <laughs> I guess you could say it here on the podcast. Like, this is really good shit, right? Yes. That, that was that was very appropriate, too, to be in there. It was um, it was it was so unique. It was and it was very very entertaining. And the fans, what, do you, what the the response from that from from the internet world was almost overwhelming uh, positive as well, wasn't it? It was, which I guess tells you where we are right now. Kind of the fact that uh, it wasn't more divisive. It really was uh, very popular. It was incredibly creative. Um, when you look at everything, I mean, we had the old Saturday night's main event opening. We had Cena reliving his debut against Kurt Angle. We had Cena in the NWO with uh, Bray Wyatt playing Eric Bischoff. Did you see Bischoff's tweet that he sent out about that? What did he say? He he posted a video of himself, and he just goes, hmm. So I was fired in October, 
<laughs> and I main evented WrestleMania in April. I don't think anyone has ever done that before. That is probably right. <laughs> yeah, that was like you said. It was it was perfect in the in the fact that it was like you sit there and when it was over and you say, "Man, how did they? Or was it a they? Or was it a he? Or whatever? How did someone come up with that whole concept? With that whole?" And put that whole thing together, but but in reality, where it was perfect was that looked like something that would come out of the mind of a Bray Wyatt or a the Fiend. Absolutely. I mean, it, it was that crazy and that insane and that out of the out of the ordinary that it looked like uh, somebody like that character thought it all up. Yeah, and I think we're seeing with Bray, you know, people were so upset when he lost at Hell in the Cell to Rollins, and they were very upset when he lost to Goldberg. But with his creativity and ability to just keep throwing new stuff at you, he was one of the biggest stars coming out of the whole weekend. I don't think he's been hurt at all by losing the title. People love Bray right now. Oh, yeah, big time. Big time. And Which is, uh, uh, the, the women's tag team championship changed hands. That was a good match. That was a very good match. Yep. Uh, we had Elias and Corbin. That was good. I really liked Becky and Shayna. I thought that was a very strong match. Oh my gosh! Yes, it was. And 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 um, just a straight up victory for Becky Lynch. It was that was uh, I think probably sort of unexpected. It was uh, for both her and Charlotte getting uh, clean wins over yeah, yeah, the yeah. Uh, the upcoming NXT stars. But plenty of time for them to uh, get their wins back and uh, move up the card. But I really enjoyed both those matches. I thought the NXT talent really acquitted themselves well. And I appreciated the focus on new talent at this WrestleMania with them and Drew. Uh, there was an attempt to, to really use this platform to create some new stars. Yeah, it was... Uh, I mean, I can't, I can't say enough good stuff about it. Especially in the fact that, uh, uh, you know, and then the fact of the the surroundings and 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 what what they were up against and putting this show together and putting it on against uh, probably against the majority of public opinion. I think that at the time, uh, the majority of public opinion was saying, "Oh, this is this this shouldn't be done at this you know at this time in the in the in the world and." But in retrospect, man, I think it I think it accomplished so much in the fact of entertaining people at a time when we really needed entertainment, uh, taking the people's mind off of off of a dire situation in the time that they that it, it, it just couldn't have been better. And, and um, I think it accomplished exactly what it was, uh, what they set out to do. And um, I, I think the hats, your hat should be off to WWE and Vince McMahon and, and everybody everybody involved with the company on that. Absolutely. I never really understood why people were saying they shouldn't do the show when we're still doing, you know, Raws and SmackDowns regularly. I could understand if, like, we all knew we'd be able to be in a stadium in the next month or two that maybe you could just postpone the show a few weeks. But we don't know when this is going to end. So why not give the fans what you've advertised? Exactly. I mean, but but, you know, you saw, uh, you know, on the on the Internet, you saw social media. People were just saying, oh, this is not going to work. This is going to be bad and everything. But it, it, it did work and it wasn't bad. And and I think, you know what, I think it probably opened some eyes of some of the other major sports. And, and um, I just I just saw this morning that Major League Baseball now is talking about there. I mean, they're realizing what how bad the fans are missing what they used to have you know and and, and major league baseball um I, I think they just talked about now that they may possibly start the season in arizona where there are 20 stadiums have all the teams go to arizona and start playing their games uh in front of no fans i totally miss the story did this just happen recently it's just this morning they were talking about it, yeah well, that'd be awesome. I think it would, too. 
but I mean, I'm sure there'll be there'll be a ton of you know traditionalists and people saying, "Oh no, you can't do that. That's just that's, it's unheard of. You can't just that's a resisting change." They just say, "But I I know how much I'm missing baseball or, and and in all sports uh, that to me it would be fine. I would I would like to see it. I know I would it would be a way to you know kill some time while you're quarantining yourself or whatever it is, you know, so uh, I think some of the other sports are looking around and seeing that uh, the the WWE is still coming on uh, every single week and entertaining the fans and doing the best they can. And, and, uh, and it's working. I saw also, here's another, did you see the story about uh, Dana White and the UFC? I, I thought it was a joke at first. He's going to, he's thinking about renting a private Island. And having UFC fights on the island with no fans there. He's dead serious about this, apparently. Yes. <laughs> Renting an island to have a show. This must be a big money show. I, I'm not too familiar with what's going on in modern UFC, but uh, wow, that's commitment. Well, I think that, uh, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And I think that the, 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 the realization of this coronavirus is necessitating uh, things to be done differently. And so it's. I think a lot of people are going to be inventing some new ways of doing what they've been doing in the past. I mean, people have, have you seen the different ways that, you know, and, and my heart goes out to all the people that have lost their jobs, but there's so many people out there that are finding other ways of, you know, of, of, of making money and, 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 compensating for the fact that they're out of work right now. Um, you know, it's just, like I said, it's that, that's a great saying that necessity is the mother, is the mother of invention and people are out there, uh, finding new ways to do things. Now, the American people are very resilient, uh, definitely. And worldwide, everybody's dealing with this. Um, so yeah, not, not surprised by that. The late night talk shows, have you seen that they've come back, but it's like they're recording it on their phone at home. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I, I, I haven't been watching any late night talk shows for a while, uh, so I don't know. I don't really notice the difference. I, I do watch uh, uh, Ellen DeGeneres, and I see now that Ellen is doing the show. She's back on the air doing shows from from her uh, home, and, she, and you know what? She's just as funny without an audience as she is with an audience. I, I but and there are, like you say, I'm sure there are a lot of people that are that are starting to do that now, uh, and that's that's the. Um, you know that that may be the new the new way of the world. I, I do know that one thing. We we all know that after this um, this pandemic or this disaster, so to speak, I don't think I don't think our lives will ever be the same. I don't think uh, worldwide. I don't think we'll ever go back to be. And this that's a almost a sad or scary thing to say, but I don't think the world will ever be the same. And in some ways, it, it in some ways, uh, as far as like social media and all of that sort of stuff, it, it it may it may turn out to make things better in the future. You know, as as far as ways to communicate with people and 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 um, and the way you know the way the way we do things. I think I think uh, it was so great that. Um, the WWE Network was there, you know. The streaming video was there to uh, to put this thing out all over the world. Uh, I mean, can you, I don't know. I don't know how it would have been if you didn't have. I mean, if you were still back in the day, that the only way you could have seen this was through pay per view, the old original pay per view, where you had to pay X amount of money. Of course, it was still available that way, but where you had to pay X amount of money. Uh, for for WrestleMania, uh, I, I think that at that point during these hard times, it would have been it would have been difficult for a lot of people to come up with you know that had lost their jobs to come up with that amount of money to buy a pay per view event, uh, even if it was to try to you know take your mind off the the problems of the world. But with the WWE Network, you know people that already had it or or got to get it for free. For the month when they when they already started, or even if no matter what, ten bucks a month, nine ninety nine a month, or whatever, um, it's it was like it was like a blessing that that was that that is there 
you know, for, for people to have to be able to, uh, to be able to be entertained without having to spend a whole lot of money. Right. And I, you know, I just keep thinking to myself that, you know, Vince just always has something up his sleeve because this was going to be a really tough mania to create some sort of memorable spectacle as we're used to. But with those two movie matches, they made spectacles that we will be talking about for decades, I think. Whether it becomes a a normal thing going forward, uh, people are always going to remember Undertaker coming out on the bike to Metallica and burying AJ. And people are always going to remember Hollywood, John Cena, Too Sweeting, Bray Wyatt. So somehow the company found a way again to put on the spectacle that everybody was talking about. (laughs) <laughs> they absolutely did, and we are still talking about it here today. I, I um, let's see, we've talked about it. Were there any other any other surprises? Anything we had that- uh, Bianca Belair make what appeared to be a main roster debut, helping out the Street Profits. Yeah. So uh, that was cool. We got to give credit to. Uh, I thought the Daniel Bryan Sami Zayn match was great. Um, Daniel Bryan is a guy who can work. He, he he did plenty of indie shows and atmospheres like this, as well as Sami Zayn did. So they were able to adjust. Uh, the ladder match was great. you got to give credit yeah, to those guys. Let me go back and say that was a surprise to me. I thought Daniel Bryan would, would have won that match. So that was, a, that was a surprise, which was good. You know, it's always good to if you can if you can surprise somebody. Uh, that's that's what's great about the wrestling business. You, try, you know, people want to. People want to think they can figure everything out, and they think they have figured everything out, and it's great when they're surprised. And here's a guy like me, been in the business 50 years, and uh, it's good when I get surprised. I like it. So I was surprised by the by the Daniel Bryant match. Uh, what did they ever say? What what was the deal with Miz? All I've heard is just that he had some sort of illness. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know if it's that or just if he it was just a precaution. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, they had a singles match instead, and uh, creative finish there with uh, Morrison and Miz retaining. Did you see their their rap video yet that Miz and Morrison did? No, I've not seen it. I'll have to see if they put that on YouTube and, and send that to you, because that was, that was pretty funny. Um, one thing we haven't talked about on the show a lot yet is Rob Gronkowski, who was the host of the weekend, got involved with the 24-7 title. Um, yeah. I mean, he could be a big star for the company moving forward, a huge mainstream Super Bowl winning name um, who seems to just love the professional wrestling business. And uh, what do you think about him so far and, and what might happen going forward? I love Gronk. I mean, I'm, I was a, I was a big fan uh, of him before, you know, before WrestleMania. I thought he did well. I couldn't, couldn't have done any better. Uh, I thought what they did with him was really was really cool. Um, I just, you know, it's funny. I just saw yesterday, uh, where, where was it? Where did I see that? But anyway, it was, uh, some, it was some, uh, highlights of Gronk's football career and holy crap. I didn't remember, you know, cause I'm, you know, I'm a big Browns fan and I follow everything about the Browns and I don't follow the, the other teams that closely. And of course I knew about, I mean, you can't not ever hear about Tom Brady and, and Gronk over the years but i had never i had never really sat down and uh, you know i'd seen different highlights here and there but i'd never sat down and watched for a few minutes of of just back to back highlights of this guy he was um, he was unbelievable i mean there's some there's some stuff uh, throughout his career that was just amazing what a what a hard-nosed tough guy to tackle uh, flamboyant and i mean you know he he was a true uh, superstar in the NFL, and and that's like you said, that's the kind of guy that could just bring all of that right over into the WWE and 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 be an, an you know an instant instant star. He's not somebody that you got to build because he's he's already built himself. Yeah, well, I'm a hardcore New York Jets fan, so I got tortured by him for years. Um, he is absolutely one of the most just dominant tight ends or receivers of any type I've ever seen. I swear, anytime Brady threw it to him over the middle. He found a way to grab it. He was just so big and strong and athletic and uh, just a phenomenal athlete. And uh, with those qualities, I am very interested to see how that translates into WWE. It's really an amazing time where WWE has gotten so large that a guy just goes straight from the NFL, goes to WWE, he's on Fox. Things are crazy nowadays. 
<laughs> but a good kind of crazy, wouldn't you say? Oh, an absolutely great crazy. It's just, uh, you know, it's just uh, amazing how the the profile of the whole industry has grown so much that a guy like Gronk uh, just transfers over to WWE. Yeah, I remember one of the first times we met him uh, in not in uh, we we were down. Lauren and I were down at Hogan's Beach when it was in uh, Tampa. Uh, so this is a few years a few, few years ago. And uh, we were down with with Terry and Hulk and Jimmy Hart, and we were we were hanging out there at the beach. And all of a sudden, up comes this big boat, bang, up up on the beach, and uh, it was Gronkowski. Gronk was in there, right? And he had several of his buddies. And I'm not sure if it. Um, uh, I'm not sure if if Mojo was with him or not. He may have been. Uh, because I'm sure he was already, you know, for him to come, come riding up there and, and dock there at, at uh, Hogan's Beach, and he got out and and yeah, he was just uh, he was just a bigger than life character, you know, back then. Uh, of course, this was this hadn't been all that long ago. This is probably maybe four years ago, something like that. So, but he was still playing and everything, and and uh, yeah, he was the. Uh, I mean, even there with 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 the Hulk and Jimmy Hart and me and all these people there, man, when he'd come rolling up, he was, uh, he was the star of the show, right? Right. At that point in time, you know, so he's, uh, he's got a great personality and a really good guy, I think. And, uh, I think he'll, I think he's got a big future ahead of him in the WWE. Yeah. And like you mentioned, he's got that personality already. Um, he's not one of those guys who wouldn't answer questions from the media or say anything interesting. He was a, a pro wrestling personality or a WWE personality in the NFL. So it should right. be a transition that uh, I, I can't wait to see uh, both on the mic character-wise and then also what he does in the ring with that athletic ability. Yeah, it should be it should be good. It should be fun to watch. And then we also had the other big story. You know that I have been a big Otis guy uh, ever since you were making <laughs> jokes about him back in the day. And... Uh, he had his big WrestleMania moment, getting the the moment with uh, Mandy Rowe sharing a kiss, and uh, Dolph Ziggler's evil intentions were thwarted. So I enjoyed that. I enjoyed seeing Otis get that WrestleMania moment, and I hope he gets a lot of TV time going forward because he's just he's a character. He's the type of guy that uh, used to be in every wrestling company, right? Like back in the eighties, uh, oh, yeah. kind of like a Jimmy Valiant or, or something like that. People gravitate to, to people like that. Yeah, great character, great character, and that was a the perfect storyline with uh, with those two, with Otis and Mandy and, and Dolph. That was that was a perfect played out played out so well, and uh, and that was that, that's you know that's the that's the way WrestleMania is always meant to be. I mean, you know, is the it was uh, no telling or it didn't matter how long the storyline took to play out. Boom, it got it got blown off and 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 settled there at WrestleMania. Absolutely, and I, I don't know, did, did Big Show main event WrestleMania 20 years apart, technically? Yeah, well, no, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, apparently he did, and, and but I don't... No, I don't think that's how the history will be written. No, I don't think so either. I think Big Show would go down as, as being a part of that Monday Night Raw rather than a part of the WrestleMania, yeah. even though it was 20 minutes later. On WrestleMania night, I just I just think that uh, it, it'll go down as as uh, Drew McIntyre's first championship defense on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, uh, Aleister Black beat Lashley, and then Lashley the next night on Raw kind of mentioned that he might be looking for a new wife, and then Lana walked in and uh, had kind of a confused look on her face. We'll see where they're going with that, and uh, <laughs> Bailey retained. Yeah, you know I love you know I love that storyline, and I'm I may be the one of the few in the WWE universe, but I I I just like it. I I guess because they they let me be a sort of a part of you know uh, around the the divorce and the marriage and all of that sort of stuff. So I, I'm just I'm fond of the Lashley and Lana storyline, and yeah, it, it could go. Uh, there's so many ways that that could go. Yeah, I mean, they, they, it seemed like they kind of it, it had been dropped for a while, so I was happy to see that brought back the night after Raw, and uh, we'll see see what happens with those two. Well, I thought Lana, I, I think I had heard that Lana was um, off making a movie or something. Oh, that's right. I think she came back because everything got shut down in Hollywood, right? Exactly. 
So there you go. So those were the two nights of WrestleMania. Incredibly memorable, I would say, and something that was very needed for the world. So thank you to everybody involved, and uh, it was a, a great couple nights of entertainment. And uh, I have a little bit of news, good for me, and the fact that uh, I will be heading back down next next Monday to uh, the Performance Center and uh, be back once again a part of Monday Night Raw. Tremendous. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Yeah, I don't I don't like to sit home and watch Raw and not hear the King on there somewhere. No, I know all the fans are going to be super pumped to hear that. It will be uh, great to have you back. Stay healthy. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll try to. Yeah, what, what have you been doing to stay healthy? Huh? Peyton and I went out yesterday to the um, – the, there's a – not too far from our home here, there's a place called the Cancer Survivors Park, and it's just um, – uh, it's a park that doesn't get used. For, well, there's a there's a, a part of the park with a big beautiful lake and then everything and all that sort of stuff that people go and kind of walk around and everything. But then there's just a big part of the park that's just a big open field. And uh, Peyton and I took our golf clubs and went over to the to the park yesterday. We were the only two people there, and so we we just hit some golf balls. And once again, I realized all of a sudden that I, I don't know about you, but I think everybody needs to. Uh, start staying cognizant of what kind of shape you keep yourself in during this time, because it's easy to become a couch potato. And, uh, I mean, just hitting the balls and going after them and, and then hitting them back the other way and going after them. I, I, I decided two things. I'll never play golf without a golf cart. And, uh, I realized just how out of shape I've gotten in just this short time of, of, um, you know, of being off. No, it's, it's brutal. I mean, here in Chicago, it's been like 37 and rainy for two weeks, and the gym's closed. So, you know, I can do push-ups and sit-ups and some sort of in-place exercise, but uh, I'm looking forward to the, the weather warming up. And we're having. have you seen that there's been like – there's a bit of a debate over golf and whether these courses should be open and if people are capable of practicing proper social distancing while like walking a golf court – course and staying six feet away from everybody yeah i to me that's one thing that uh i i i don't have a problem with them being open i know in florida down in fort myers where we were the public golf courses and the and the country clubs were all still open uh i think they've closed the courses here in the public courses here in memphis but there are places like like where we went yesterday that uh there was nobody around at all but yeah, to me, golf golf uh, courses are, are is somewhere that you can uh, maintain social distancing and still go out and enjoy yourself. You know, I would I would think. But but uh, some places are are closing those those as well. I don't know. There needs to be a fine line walked because people need something besides watching TV. You know, like. <laughs> right. we- if they want us to to pretty much socially distance for like five months or whatever it's going to be, like maybe we could give us a, a few things we're allowed to do. Uh, here's something I'll throw at you. Do you remember when uh, I was at Disney World surrounded by all sorts of people from all over the world and I got the most sick I've ever been in my life, uh, coughed so badly that I lost my voice for like two weeks? Yeah, I think you had it. <laughs> I think it's possible. I really do. Oh, I mean, I I definitely think it was out there uh, for a while before everybody started talking about it. Um, And uh, I really think that from the sound of, you know, you you and I talking on the phone and everything during that during that time, I really think that you and that's probably where you got it. You know, being around the big crowds there at Disney World, because right after that is when you got sick. Right. Yeah. No, that was that was late January, early February. Right. Yeah. And it was all starting to fall apart um so if i had it then that was like that was like the sickest you've ever been in your life right yeah never i mean i've had like you know you know food poisoning sucks and everything but as far as just i was i just had a te- I, i'll be honest i'm afraid that i'm gonna get like quarantined right now but it's been two months um i mean i just had a terrible terrible cough for like six weeks um, just like debilitating where I would just have these coughs where I just had to like lay down or sit down. I, the 
the room would start spinning. So I don't know. I, like part of me is kind of walking around cavalierly, thinking maybe I, I had this thing already, and I, I don't know how likely it is that I'll get it again. Yeah, no, I I, I firmly believe that you had it, and that uh, and that's that's one of the things you hear every now and then. But you know, that's one of the, one of the things I hate about the media. It just sucks so bad in the fact that the old saying, and it's true, is bad news sells. And all the media wants to talk about is how bad and how dire and everything is and how many people are dying right now. And that is that that is bad. But at the same time, they never talk about uh, very seldom ever talk about. I just heard this morning there's been over nine. Uh, well, I don't know. Nine hundred. Nah, I can't get the figure right. But anyway, a big amount of people that have had this and are, you know, and are well now and have survived it. And I honestly believe that you're that Sean, that you're one of those people. I think that you, I think that you've had it, and you got sick, and and it was tough. You didn't you didn't actually ever go to get any kind of medical attention, did you? No, I did. I went twice to an emergency clinic. Oh, okay, okay. And Good. I got uh, antibiotics and some special cough syrup and uh, a couple other things. Yeah. Wow. But not the not the fancy uh, coronavirus drug that they're they're trying right now. But I I agree with you about you how know what you probably gave everybody in that medical center the corona. <laughs> I did not think about that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know. <laughs> right, of course you did. It wasn't well, a big thing back then. I, I do remember at the emergency clinic there was like one thing that said, "Have you been in Wuhan in the last few weeks?" I was like, "No." <laughs> You've been in Wuhan. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, nope, not to that one. So I guess I'm okay, but maybe not. But uh, oh. like the, the the media coverage, we have, from what I understand, the uh, modeling that we've been using is from this IHME, and they released uh, like a new model over the weekend showing that we're doing a great job, it sounds like, because they've cut the number of projected deaths and hospital beds needed and ventilators and all these things. Some of them had them cut by like 70%. And right. I, I didn't see that that much in the media. I thought this would be like great news where everybody would be fired up. The media, I mean, the, the stock market noticed it. We had like a 7% increase in the market. But the media kind of, they just get those clicks when they just say, you know, more deaths, more deaths. Just whatever yep, you yep. can think of as, as the most negative thing sometimes. Exactly. Well, and the only other thing that, that I think about a lot of times is, Will this ever, will this ever come to an end in the fact that where things can get completely back to normal or is this, I mean, can we ever kill this thing to where there's nobody that has it anymore? Uh, Where there's, um, because it seems like the way it is right now, if they have no vaccine or no cure, if it's down to, if, if even one person has it, it could start this thing all over again. Right. I'm terrified of the second wave because uh, they talk about how the Spanish flu had like a second wave that was worse than the the first one. I'm really hoping we're not in for something like that. But yeah. you're right. Until we have the vaccine, man, everybody's just going to be walking around kind of nervous about this breaking out again if we are allowed to get out of the house. Man, there was a there was a thing that I saw on PBS the other day that I didn't. Um, I, I found out a couple of things that I didn't realize before that it happened when I was just a little kid. Um, and, and I remember as a child growing up, my parents talking about it. But at one time there was a virus that caused polio. Oh, and oh. you, you, and now you hardly ever even hear the word polio. Uh, but at one time back in, during like the early 1950 or something like that, there was this big, uh, uh, polio pandemic that was sweeping the country and kids were getting it. It, it. it mainly affected kids, but it affected all ages, but mostly children. Uh, and, and, and it was a respiratory type thing too, as well. Um, and there was these old things. I remember them talking about these things called iron lungs. Back then ventilators were like a, were these big iron lung things that they had to put your whole body in. And, you know, and you could, some, some kids had to, spend years in these things um uh and and all you would have to do is just lie on your back and look up at a mirror uh to see out to the you know the rest of the room or whatever but anyway that was that was a, a crazy crazy thing and that's how 
everybody hears of it now, the March of Dimes was started, and I didn't I didn't even realize that, but that uh, uh, back then they needed they needed money, and the country was just coming out of the depression, so nobody had any money. People were out of work, and uh, and then all of a sudden everybody gets this virus that's causing polio. And, and they didn't really have a, a lot of money to put into research to try to find a vaccine. And so this uh, this one doctor, uh, he, he just he just came up with the idea. He said, look, nobody's got a lot of money, but everybody could afford a dime. So they, he just they, they went out and they did this big uh, uh, this big a- appeal to the nation said, please, everybody just. Back then, I probably a stamp would cost a nickel or something. Just just take a ten cents, take a dime, and put it in an envelope and send it to the president of the United States. And it get it, it just it, they somehow that 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 appeal they called it the March of Dimes, and literally people were sending in dimes uh, by the millions, and they they raised millions of dollars through that just through that that campaign of the March of Dimes and that's how they were able to come up with a with a cure or with a vaccine for polio and that pretty much it pretty much wiped polio out uh after you know after it being such a scourge there for for a long time it just ruined so many or killed kids and ruined so many lives and everything but they were able to with the polio vaccine they were able to pretty much wipe it out. It wasn't something like the regular flu that came back and came back and everything. Uh, and so that's what hopefully they'll be able to do with, with this coronavirus, get something that will, that will pretty much wipe it out rather than being something that will reappear like a regular flu does every year. Which, and that's the other thing nobody talks about now is the regular flu. And it kills, it kills hundreds of thousands of people every year. And, but nobody even talks about it. They certainly don't close down the country or anything because of it. No. And uh, I don't know if you saw that we are going to have something kind of similar to what you were talking about on April 18th. I guess this is the next big event we'll get together for. Uh, your favorite hosts, Fallon Kimmel and Colbert, are all going to host a major television event on NBC, ABC, and CBS. And uh, there's going to be a series of live online concerts and Lady Gaga's involved and it will feature multi-million dollar pledges to the WHO Solidarity Response Fund. So uh, we've got a big, big TV event coming here before too long. Yeah, like a big telethon. That's good. That's good. So that will be good. Um, yeah, as far as what I'm doing, I don't know. I'm just trying to <laughs> stay sane, getting into some video games, watching old wrestling and uh, try, you know, sometimes I go on some drives that maybe I'm not technically allowed to go on just to get out of the house. I don't know. How about you? Well, we've been, uh, oh, let's see. Not, <laughs> not a whole lot. Gotten out of the house a little bit. Got, I went out on my, I go out on my, uh, scooter and, and just drive around the, the different neighborhoods close around, you know, just, uh, don't get off and talk to anybody or anything like that, but just do a little bit of riding around got up like i said with peyton and i went to the the golf and did a few not a not a driving range but you know hit a few drives and that sort of thing my main thing is watching tv of course we went through the went through the tiger king (laughs) uh, as, as everybody did that was crazy uh and you know what what lauren and i have gotten hooked on now hmm shit's creek i've heard of that i've never watched it you never watched it? No. I would highly recommend it. It's great. Eugene Levy, uh, Levy or Levy, however you pronounce it, and his son. And I, I didn't even realize when, once I, when I first started watching this that uh, Eugene Levy's son it plays his son on the show, and it's his, and it is his real son, and that uh, and he actually is the producer and writes the writes the shows. But it is it is so freaking funny. It's like. Um, it's almost like a Beverly Hillbillies in reverse. It's like this real rich family uh, that uh, they have. It's the, Eugene Levy's the dad, and I think her name's Catherine O'Hare. She's the one. She was the mom on the Home Alone shows, mm-hmm. and her and Eugene Levy have been on a, tons of movies. They were they started out in, the, in that Second City TV from Canada, but anyway, they're they're the parents. She used to be like a semi. She 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 was an actress. 
that had made several made-for-TV movies or something in the past, but she's older now, of course, and but she still thinks she's a big star. And they were apparently very rich, and they have two grown children that still live at home, and they're spoiled rotten, just spoiled brats, boy and a girl. And they were incredibly rich, and apparently all of a sudden one day they realized that uh, the IRS comes and knocks on their door of their big mansion, and apparently their manager or agent or whoever had absconded, absconded with all their money and never paid their taxes. So they went from being ultra rich to being flat broke in an instant. You see at the very beginning, the IRS people just coming in, taking everything out of their house. And then at the end, uh, the one IRS agent said, well, the one silver lining is at least you won't be homeless. He said, because remember... Back in, I don't know, several years ago, he said, you bought a town. You bought an entire town called Shit's Creek. And, and he went, what? And he said, oh, yeah, I remember buying that for my son just as a joke for his birthday. In other words, you know, they were so rich that for a joke, uh, he bought the, and gave the son the deed to a town called Shit's Creek. And so anyway, then they have to wind up going there. And moving there and to, just to have a place to live, they wind up staying in an old, beat-up, broken down, run down. Everything in this Shits Creek town is horrible. And the mayor of uh, of the town, um, his last name is Shits. <laughs> so anyway, they they they. Uh, uh, I mean, I, it's, just, it's too hard to explain. But anyway, it's like a it's like a Beverly Hillbillies in reverse. This this real rich people all of a sudden become broke and they have to go and live in a town of of just average average people and they're trying to you know they're trying to fit in and everything. But it's it's it's, it's really funny. It's a really good show. You know, you have sold me. I don't know how I haven't come across this show because I love Eugene Levy. He's hilarious oh. and the whole SCTV <laughs> stuff. Yeah, he is really really good in this, and then everybody is. Uh, uh, his, the woman that plays his wife is awesome, and his son is great. It's just, it's really, really funny. And the cool thing is, uh, it's been going on. I think there's like six seasons of it, so you got you got plenty to watch. I mean, you gotta you gotta you can binge watch this thing and still have some left over. You know, I will. Uh, I'm I'm excited by this. I will give you a report next week on the show of okay. what I thought. Yeah. And, you know, not too long ago, I, I was sitting on a plane. I was going to, we were, I guess we were going to Toronto or some, somewhere. We had a show in Canada. And I'm sitting on the plane. I get on the plane. I'm in first class and the bulk head on the, it was a smaller plane. So there's a one seat, uh, you know, one seat on one side and then two seats on the other. And I'm sitting there in my seat and I look over to my right. And there's Eugene Levy and his then the woman that plays his uh, wife sitting there in the seats across from me. That's awesome. Yeah, and I was really fanboying, but I just they, they, he was reading and she was I don't know what she was reading or something, but they were just so engrossed in whatever they were doing. I didn't want to I didn't want to uh, impose on them or anything, but I did snap a little picture and I put it out on a as on a tweet. Uh, a long time ago of, of them sitting beside me there in the first class. And uh, I'll never forget Renee Young said, Oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> she's, you know, she's a huge, she's a huge fan of theirs as well, as is everybody from Canada. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Eugene Levy, national treasure up there. Um, I will, I will watch that. Shit's Creek. We will, uh, we are providing a, an important uh, public service right now because people need stuff to do. So okay. hopefully you have uh, sold everybody on this. So, um, yeah, WrestleMania is in the books. We don't have any uh, any shows that you're appearing on coming up, unfortunately, except for uh, Raw. Oh, yeah, that was uh, I just spoke this morning with my people down at uh, Fitz Casino. We talked a little bit about Fitzmania, and, of course, um, uh, we're going to just reschedule as soon as they can. You know, they, they've had to completely close. Uh, and uh, as all the casinos down in Tunica and all the casinos in uh, Las Vegas and everything, all the casinos are closed. So uh, as soon as this thing gets sort of back to normal and we can put out a date that we will re uh, reschedule that Fitzmania event. I can't wait because I was excited to get people like Idol and Rich and uh, 
I know uh, it. on the show. So me too. Uh, everybody, you know, I, that'll be uh, a big thing when we come back. Let's beat this thing quickly. Anything else going on? I guess that's about it. The next show I'll be on is Monday Night Raw again, so that, I'm looking forward to that. All right. Well, we're looking forward to having you back on Monday. Uh, I'm sure everybody listening will be thrilled about that. Great mania. Uh, before I do a Lance Russell sign-off, anything else? <laughs> no, that's it. Let me hear it. All right. Let me just do it since I did the open. For Jerry the King Lawler, this is Sean Reedy saying bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.